welcome on my next guest. We've got Mark Willer, KNBR sports radio host from San Francisco. Mark, is everything going for you? Everything is going fantastic, Zach. What's going on with you? Not much, not much. I'm ready for the draft. I, I assume you guys are too because you're making some moves. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, things got a lot more exciting uh, last week when the 49ers pulled off what, you know, many are calling the, the biggest trade in franchise history, which, you know, I mean, it took, I think, some people a few days to really wrap their head around that that's what this is because in this moment there are still no players that have uh, traded places, you know, it's just draft picks. Uh, but if you really look at what the cost of a draft pick is and what this particular move means for the franchise going forward, I agree with it. This is this is the you know this is a landmark trade for this entire organization. You think it's bigger than trading a conditional third for a disgruntled Trent Williams? Yeah, <laughs> um, I do. Even though that ended up being a really big one and a really nice one for the 49ers, uh, that obviously with his new deal is going to mean something going forward. Uh, but as we know, there's only one position that's the most important position in American sports. And that's what that's what this one was about. And, you know, it's, it's controversial. It's got different opinions to it. It's a bold move because if they get it wrong, this, these are the kinds of decisions that can get coaches fired. So, um, yeah, yeah, this is the one. Who do, who do you think they're targeting that they wanted to get all the way up to three? You know, I, I, I don't know what's inside Kyle's mind, but I can tell you this from this conceptual standpoint. I don't understand the idea of being this bold and, and trading up to get someone who does not have the potential to be a star. Yeah. It's not just about production. It's not just about, uh, we got to find a guy that fits Kyle Shanahan's system. There are two things here. A, I don't believe Kyle Shanahan is being painted accurately here. He's being painted as a guy who wants a coachable, systematic quarterback, as if he doesn't like great athleticism. He does. Every coach does. They want the athletes. They want great players. I'm not saying Mac Jones won't be a great player. Maybe he will be. But to me, uh, there's very little chance that Mac Jones becomes an it quality type star. And do you make a move like this to go get someone who's not a star? There's, there's winning and then there's stars. Those are two different things in sports. Sometimes we forget the entertainment aspect of this. I don't know between Justin Fields and Trey Lance if either of them are stars, but I know they've got a chance to be. And, and I don't think Mac Jones does. So I, I would vote for Trey Lance, but that's just me. I trust Kyle Shanahan's view on this, um, but I'll be surprised if it's not Fields or Lance. What spot did they have initially before they traded up? They were in number 12. They were number 12. And what's really interesting is that they, they firmly believe that 12 is on the outside looking in of this entire conversation. Um, and that's often the case in today's day and age of NFL drafts. Uh, teams get aggressive and move up for the quarterbacks. Uh, this is a good quarterback draft. Obviously, they think all five guys are going to be gone by number 12. Do you think they overpaid? It's hard to say at this point. There's no such thing as overpaying if you can find a star quarterback. So, um, you know, I, I, I think that if they – land the right pick then no <laughs> but yeah. we won't know that yet because Kyle Shanahan was in DC correct me if I'm wrong when they went all in for RG3 and that did not go well no but he also uh I mean did they go all in because a couple rounds later they also drafted Kirk Cousins that's and, true and I think the Shanahan's had a lot to say about that yeah. so you know um 
look, RG3 did work out when he first yeah. got there. That first you know, year was great. Was, first year was great. You know, he, uh, as a rookie, it was fantastic. And then injuries derail it. And, and that sort of, I think, is part of what led to this idea that Kyle doesn't want someone that can move outside the pocket because of injuries. So um, I, I don't really think that's the case. But it, it's always a risk. It's always a risk. I mean, the percentages through the years show that you're not going to nail it every time. Uh, when it comes to early draft picks, especially quarterbacks. So it's really hard. Um, I think that that's why whoever they draft, I'm a proponent of them keeping Jimmy Garoppolo for at least one more year, letting him be the starter this year, uh, and then see what you got as far as unveiling the new guy the year after that. Very, very similar to what the Chiefs did with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. Well, Nick Mullins had that great Thursday night game a couple years ago, and I thought he was like the second coming of – of Christ, but then he kind of fell off. Um, yep. Do you think the incompletion to Sanders in the Super Bowl kind of just that mental error is maybe maybe made them think, okay, maybe he's not the guy? I think it goes a lot deeper than that. I don't I don't ever think you make decisions like this about uh, twenty five million dollar quarterbacks based on one play. Um, in fact, I, I, I will state uh, all of the things that happened prior to that throw that suggest Kyle Shanahan was not sure about trusting Jimmy Garoppolo. Only eight throws in the game against Green Bay, even though it worked out well. Uh, Right before halftime against Kansas City, uh, when they had over a minute on the clock and they just kind of took a knee and did not want to let Jimmy uh, move the ball and try to get more points on the board. Those things all suggested that Kyle was a little bit bit short of full trust in, in his quarterback um, and then when you see what eventually happened in the fourth quarter, yeah. I think it only added to that. So you do think, regardless of who they take, you still think Garoppolo's got the job for one more year? I think he should. I think he should. I think the 49ers and this coaching staff have been very clear that, you, you know, every single game and every single season uh, is precious. Um, and, and when you're coming off two out of the last three seasons that have sort of been derailed by injury yeah. and, and you react this way, it suggests that, you know, they, they are not a group that's like, well, you know, let's build and let's wait and let's, you know, maybe this will be good for 2022. I think they feel like every year needs to be at its best. And even if they nail this quarterback pick, rookies are not going to go win the Super Bowl. And so uh, their best chance to win this year is with Jimmy. Interesting. And then with the Trent Williams contract, did that number surprise you a little bit? Because I know he's, what's he, 31, 32? Or did you, did you knew they were going to give him the blank check? 32 years, but I, I would actually, um, I, I would, I would debate whether they gave him a blank check. You know, the 49ers and Prague Marate are amazing with the way they structure contracts. If you do a deep dive on this deal, the 60 year is really a fake year. I don't think there's any chance that, that he's still playing or that they honor that 60 year. Um, I think that that six year was totally based on making it look like he's the highest paid offensive lineman in history. But if you go year one, year two, year three, year four, Bakhtiari's deal with Green Bay is still bigger. Um, so that was some window dressing to make to, to send the message that they think Trent Williams is the best in the league because he is. Uh, but at, at his age and with what he wanted and the salary cap situation that was that was you know in existence right now, especially with all the COVID issues, um, you know they 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 were not going to be able to actually go to um, you know, whatever that average is out to per year, 23, $24 million. Uh, you know, for instance, I think this year it's only eight. So it's a great deal uh, for four years, and I expect that to be what it is. 
Are, are you buying any of these uh, reports about Justin Fields, or do you think he's in the mix at three two? Oh uh, well, I I totally think he's in the mix. What what are the reports you're referring to? Dan Orlowski said on Pat McAfee's show yesterday that he's heard from some people that apparently Fields is a is a is a last guy in, first guy out kind of guy. It kind of sparked some people on Twitter, but I I think it's smoke screens. And it, the thing is, if it was San Fran doing that, you don't need a smoke screen because he'll be there at three. So I don't think it's San Fran. Yeah, you know, it's funny because they even talked about on Monday when they had their most recent uh, meeting, Kyle and John, talked about how the, the beauty of moving up to three is that they don't need to run so many smoke screens anymore. Yeah. Um, however, I think that in and of itself is probably a smoke screen too because that's just, that's what the, these guys are conditioned to do this time of year. So uh, there will always be a thousand statements that when the draft comes, we can look back on them and say that that wasn't real. Uh, remember last year, the 49ers were absolutely unequivocally taking a receiver with that first pick. They ended up taking a defensive lineman. They got a receiver later in the first round with another deal. So uh, you never know exactly what's what's going on. I think Fields is definitely in the mix. As I mentioned, my hope is it's Trey Lance. Uh, but I also think, you know, how much are we hearing that it's definitely Mac Jones, uh, which is weird because that came seemingly 24 hours after Nobody thought there was any way Mac Jones was going to be a top five pick. Um, and I still don't believe he will be. So, um, look, all of the guys are in the mix, except for in, in another way they're not, because you don't make that deal unless Kyle knows who he wants. So I firmly believe he already knows who his guy is. What, why, why is Trey Lance your guy? What have you seen out of him that you like? Well, I, I, I just think there's a couple of things there. Um, number one, from an athletic standpoint, from a footwork standpoint, from an accuracy standpoint, from an arm strength standpoint, I put him right next to, if not above, uh, what I saw from Justin Fields and, uh, and Mac Jones. And I don't mean that just from a pro day standpoint. Secondly, and more importantly, I don't really buy into the whole like, oh gosh, small school. He, he, you know, he struggled against other small schools. North Dakota State is a quarterback factory at a smaller level but a quarterback factory. And so why that's important is they ask more of their quarterbacks at the line of scrimmage than some of the major schools do. Yeah. What did Mac Jones really need to do with the best offensive line in the country in front of him? So I think they do in some ways come in more pro ready because more has been asked of them. The last two North Dakota state quarterbacks are in the pros. We could debate whether Carson Wentz has been great or bad somewhere in between. He's been a little bit of both. Uh, but I don't think at any point did, did Carson come into the league and we looked at him and went, oh, gosh, he's just inexperienced and not ready because he's never seen the bright lights. No, he was an MVP candidate in his second year. He looks fantastic. So um, I'm not worried by, by that at all. I think he's got all of the makeup, both physically and mentally, and, um, and, and the things that you do in the pros, he was asked to do at, at North Dakota State. So for me, that, that's the guy. And so looking at the Niners roster as a whole, I know in the last couple of years, we've had a couple of guys break out. Um, why am I drawing a blank? Last year, kind of Fred Warner kind of came onto the national scene the year before yep. George Kittle. Who's that guy this year? Mm. It's a good question. Um, I, I would say Brandon Ayuk. Um, and I know he had, you know, some moments where he popped even last year, um, but he also dealt with injuries. There were COVID situations. Like he only really had about half the games. And I think he is just fantastic. I, I, I think he's kind of a unicorn in some of the things 
that he can do on a football field. And we've only seen him scratch the surface. Their receiver situation was so muddied last year based on injuries at that position and lack of efficient play at the quarterback position. And he was still able to, to, to have some really nice games. If you can get some stability and talent at the quarterback position, get 15 or 16 games out of him where maybe Debo is on the other side as well. Um, I think there's just not much that he can't do from that position. And, uh, and I think he could have a really big year. And then going back to the quarterbacks, do you think just seeing all the supreme talent of the position around the division, especially with the Rams going after Matt Stafford made Shanahan say, you know what, we have to get our guy and I'll do anything it takes. Well, this will, this, this furthers my point about a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields. Take a look at the, at the lay of the land in the NFL. Are you Kyle Shanahan going to go, okay, we got Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson in our division and now Matt Stafford is added. And then on the bigger scale, we're going to be dealing with for the next decade, Patrick Mahomes and, and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. You're going to look at that and say, go give me Mac Jones because he'll do what I tell him to do. doesn't make any sense. He can be smart as a whip and he can make all the right decisions, but I believe he can be athletically overwhelmed by the players who, who are going to be on the other side of the ball. Uh, you're taking a, um, you're taking a knife to a gunfight if you draft Mac Jones and expect him to be able to outplay those guys for the next 10 years. I, I think he's um, Saban's long lost kid. They look really similar. And it's, it's, a, right. little, it's a little, little odd. I mean, you guys I mean, have- could, could be a good player. He could be a good player. I know Tom Brady's not some crazy athlete, but I, I, it's not that he can't be a good player. He could be a very, very good player. But to me, that bold move and the lay of the land in the NFL, I, I don't quite understand it if that is the move. Do you think they reached out to any of the former Niners quarterbacks, maybe Jeff Garcia, uh, Montana, or Steve Young, to say, what do you think of this guy before we make this major move or now? Probably not. I don't, I don't know that the relationship is, is like that. This is a newer regime that, uh, you know, hasn't worked directly with those guys. But I do know that, uh, you know, Steve Young has definitely uh, weighed in on this quite a bit yeah. um, and, and stays very close to what's going on with the organization. I don't think Joe does as much. Garcia does to, to a degree, but – but Young obviously has that thump as, as a Hall of Famer. And, um, and Young said, said some things very similar to what I'm telling you right now, which is um, that Kyle Shanahan is branded as somebody who likes these like controllable robotic pocket passers. This is ridiculous. Um, and in fact, even uh, earlier in the week when Kyle was asked, like, is Kirk Cousins your prototype? He said, that's ridiculous. Kirk's a great quarterback, but he's not my prototype. And then he immediately started talking about Patrick Mahomes. So um, the idea is somehow that, that, that Kyle doesn't want athleticism because he wants somebody he can control, I think is the biggest error people make when they're analyzing this. And then when, one more question about Trey Lance. When you watch him play, who does he remind you of? Man, um, you know, I'll say it this way because I'll, I'll defer to someone who's watched him a lot more than I. I had on my show last week the play-by-play man for North Dakota State, and we threw out some names, and, and, and he said the best comp for him is Josh Allen. Um, he, he said, you know, people say that same thing, like he was a wild arm and, and, and unpredictable and went to a smaller school at Wyoming, and it did take a year or two for it to really click but then it did. And as far as the skill set and his size, he's maybe not quite as big as Josh, um, but he can be that presence running the ball. He, he really likes the comp for Josh Allen. And, and um, if that's the case, it's a pretty good comp. 
Awesome. Awesome. And then I know you guys have, you guys have opening day today or you guys canceled for COVID too? No, no, no. Opening day is knock on wood as of now, ready to go between the Giants and Mariners. Who's your, what's your bold prediction for the baseball season? Um, bold prediction for the baseball season, the Dodgers do not win the National League West. Uh, and I'm not saying that the Giants do. Um, and, you know, you can put two and two together in terms of who I, who I might like there. But um, I, I think uh, the NL West is just getting better and better and better at every turn. And the Dodgers deserve credit for that because they've pushed the other teams. And, uh, and I, think, um, I think the Padres can give them a run this year. And then out near me, Orioles or Nats doing anything this year, or is this another year just kind of enjoy the games, but you're not really going anywhere? Well, I, you know, I think that, that the Nationals are, are completely an interesting team. I mean, Juan Soto, if you talk to people inside baseball, uh, believe that he might be, um, you know, the most complete young player that the game has seen, not just now, but uh, for a long time. I mean, if, if you put to GMs right now, I'll give you Soto or Acuna, I think you'd be surprised how many people would take Soto. Um, so, you know, look, the National League East is a beast. There's, uh, there's no question about that. Um, but, uh, but that's still a team that, that, that has a lot of talent and, and can get themselves into the mix for sure. And then are the Padres going to be the real deal this year? Or do you think they're flashing the pan? Real deal. Real deal. That team has built themselves for depth. I know everybody's only looking at Tatis right now, but that is a team that is, I don't want to call them injury proof, but they are ready with people behind even the people that, that, that are currently on the team. Um, and, uh, and their pitching staff is set, and they've still got more young talent coming up in their farm system, which is excellent. I don't think the Padres are just good this year. I think they're good for a while. Yeah, well, that, that's really all the questions I really have for you. Um, how can people find you on social media to keep up with you? Yeah, appreciate that. Mark underscore T underscore Willard on Twitter, uh, MT Willard on Instagram. Uh, that's where I'm hanging out most of the time on social media. So uh, look forward to seeing you there. Awesome, man. We really appreciate it. Enjoy opening day. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, you too, man. All right, I want to welcome on my next guest. We've got sports and entertainment attorney Dan Lust for Garagos and Garagos in New York. Dan, is everything going for you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I'm happy to, to be on the podcast. And uh, obviously, uh, we got a lot of fireworks in the sports law realm. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't, why don't we get right into that? So main topic discussion, um, the situation going on with Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson. I haven't checked today. There's a lot of um, pending lawsuits against him. Um, can you kind of discuss the situation based on what you've seen and what you think will come out of this? Um, yeah, so the most recent uh, I've checked, and uh, you, you were not wrong for saying that you haven't checked the news in a particular day because you, you don't look for one second. There's another four, another five that are filed. So last I checked, there was 21 uh, lawsuits that were filed. Um, so, you know, it's there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, we'll, we'll say things that are not so normal, and, and I'm, I'm happy to come on and kind of ex separate what's normal versus what is atypical. Um, but we've seen a rapid ascent in the number of lawsuits from one to four to six to nine uh, to 16 as of last Friday. And, uh, you know, we might end the week with 30. So it's it's a lot. Um, yeah, uh, that's that's the overall gist. Right now we're at, uh, you know, those are only civil lawsuits, no criminal charges filed. And as far as we've seen, Deshaun Watson has not filed any type of legal responsive papers, anything like that. So it's pretty much a one sided legal you know, argument at this point, it's just just allegations. And, and that's really it. The, the way the, um, the, the, I'm drawing a blank, the, what is Tony Busby's, uh, what is his role in this? The, 
He's the, the accuser's attorney. Okay, the accuser's attorney. The way he's handled everything, is it a little odd to you? I think it's a little odd to everyone. I think it's uh, odd to the people that are not lawyers because they think it's strange. And then when people ask me and, and they ask other lawyers, is this normal? And we said, no, there's a lot of things that, um, you know, that first of all, a lot of things about the case that are not normal before, you know, just Tony Busby, um, you know, and, and just so people are, see a full picture. We, we mentioned 24, uh, 21 lawsuits. Um, I know there's more accusers. Not all of them have filed lawsuits. Um, well, not all of them, uh, Tony Busby's firm has agreed to take on. So we know there's more accusers that he's spoken to. He's actually filed lawsuits, but it's close. It's like 90%. It's right around there. So, have you been from, I have a question. Were you familiar with him prior to this? I was not, uh, but you know, he's a very big Houston. Uh, he does a lot of uh, plaintiff's work. So he's settled. If you're going to read his profile, about $2 billion of cases. And if you fill that many cases, you work on a contingency, you're going to get some percentage of that, which is going to be a lot of money. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just goes without saying, I mean, it's just important to know 24 accusers. I mean, yesterday we had a development from Rusty Harden, who's Deshaun Watson's lawyer, 18 massage therapists that come out in support of Deshaun Watson. So uh, that said, we worked with him, you know, we, he's, he's got good character, nothing bad happened. So here's the odd part from a human being level. That's now, if I'm, my rough math is correct. A lot. Well, a lot of massage therapists. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter about the allegations, right? There's a lot. So that's odd. I don't know how many people are having... 40 massages, maybe if you're an athlete, I get it. 40 massages I can get. 40 different massage therapists, I don't really think is that normal. And I haven't found anybody that, that can say that that's normal. Now, mind you, this is a civil case, right? So plaintiff bears the burden of proof. If someone is really picky with, um, you know, their barber or, uh, you know, the yeah. person that does their nails yeah. and they switch 40 times, sure. It doesn't mean that they've committed some type of crime, but it's it's not. It's it's a red flag overall about the case, not, not necessarily having anything to do with the legal allegations, but you know, it's, it's definitely adding up to making this case one of the weirder ones that I've ever followed. And then, so everybody is, everybody's innocent until proven guilty. And every person who has the right to their day in court, if they, if they found something wrong with any of the way he acted around him, um, and they should hear it because it's an ongoing issue that needs to end with sexual harassment and people in power kind of taking advantage of their power. But does, does the timing with the trade request and then the inundation, does that kind of jump out to you or is that normal? Uh, well, it's not that normal that someone makes a request for a troll. I think it's two things. It's not that normal for someone of Deshaun Watson's caliber to request a trade. It happens maybe two, three times a year in any given sport. So that's not that normal, uh, right? We just saw it also in Houston, just coincidentally with James Harden, you know, we see it with Anthony Davis. It doesn't really happen that frequently. Now, does it happen that after a trade was requested that there's a massive spree of lawsuits filed against someone no not that i've ever heard of that happening the only one that maybe is some sort of a comparison is antonio brown when he was half in free agency half trying to move teams and then his legal trouble started to mount but those were a lot of different legal issues from different people uh in different contexts these all again they're allegations but the allegations all have some similar tone um so yeah that's this is just generally a very odd circumstance and the other thing that i guess is odd from uh, Tony Busby's perspective, just so people can understand that this is not necessarily that normal. These are allegations that occurred, uh, some as early as March of 2020, uh, others over the summer, some in the fall of 2020, some actually in 2021, but they're all coming out like now, right? It, it's every, victims have a right to bring their case whenever they want. There's some statute of limitations you have to deal with, but you can bring it bring it out at any at any point in time. You know, some, some statute, there's some states there's a very long statute of limitations and statute of limitations, basically your deadline to sue from the time something bad happens. So you wait, right? 
he's, but for whatever reason, they're all coming forward right now. So why is that? Is that because uh, Watson demanded a trade and, and he stands the most to lose? So maybe he'll pay the most money. That is one possible reason. The only thing, I mean, and, and that's, that wouldn't be that odd. Like that's happened before, you know, if someone has a lot to lose, they get hit with lawsuits. So that's not that odd. The odd part is that he's getting clients in the door on, let's say hypothetically a Tuesday, right? Because we're hearing the numbers of accused increase. And then they're having a lawsuit filed on their behalf in like 48 hours. So I can't really explain the, the strategy and the strategic advantage of filing a lawsuit that quickly when you first meet the client. There's got to be a natural vetting period. It's got to be a period where you put some uh, character and some artful wording into the complaint. But, you know, these are, and I'm, I'm just, I can, I can say this isn't you, Zach. These are largely cut and paste jobs from one to the other. Um, some of them have nuance because they're obviously different allegations, but, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's boilerplate and he's just copying and pasting over to the other one. So in a high profile case, I would not have recommended that. Um, I just think it doesn't, doesn't show the firm in the best light, but you know, that's uh those are some of the oddities of Tony Busby. We haven't even got to the, the fun ones, but those those are yeah. some of them. Um, I, I don't know if you've seen, he has a cooking show. I did not see that. What's it called? Cooking, cooking it's, with it, 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 it's like something you'd see on Food Network, except it's him driving around in like his Maserati. And it's like a, it, it's all, it's unbelievable. I It's unbelievable. Um, but that's I, 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 I want yeah, to ask, uh, yeah, it's, it, 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 was, it was strictly on Facebook and I think they canceled it. It's, it's I hope, I hope more people see it. Um, I'm under the belief, I'm always under the belief that where there's smoke, there's fire. And with all of these allegations, it can't be a hundred, I, 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 my personal belief that it's a little, it would be very odd if every single one of these was bogus. Do, right. do, do you think, cause I know after the first one, Watson came out and said, oh, they're just trying to get money out of me and this and that. And I know the, the lawyer, his uh, Rusty Harden came out and said something like, we'll, we'll make a public statement. Do you think, if this was your client and if you thought there was this potentially this many people that were going to be going after him, you would, you would make a statement after that first one and make it seem like, Oh, this is just one thing. It'll blow up, blow away. So here's, here's what Harden's doing. Rust, Rusty Harden, who's a veteran Houston sports attorney who defended James Harden, Adrian Peterson, Roger Clemens, the guy's been around the block, Tony Busby's strategy. And this is, he's playing to people like he's playing to the public sentiment. How could 20 people be making it up, right? Maybe maybe one, maybe two, but 20 women. Like, how can you fight against that? So Busby is, uh, is basically going with the strength by numbers argument, right? How could everyone be making it up? And Harden, and I think to his credit, basically turned around and he made a submission that one of the women he believed was lying. And he put a submission forward that this woman propositioned them for $30,000, I guess a couple months back, but acknowledged that the relationship was consensual. So maybe it's a red flag that Watson's having a consensual relationship with one of the massage therapists. Maybe that's a red flag, but I guess according to Harden or Watson's camp, this is a consensual relationship. So one of these he's saying is a far. So if you do that, you kind of, it's like a house of cards. If you pull a piece out, the thing can come tumbling down like Jenga or any, any type of analogy that works like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it goes both ways. Could 20 people be, you know, uh, you know, all making up a story? It's possible. Sure. Um, is it, it's probably unlikely. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's their burden to prove the problem though. Uh, and this is what Rusty Harden's coming to do. If you kind of cast doubt in the jury pool's eyes, Hey, if one woman's making it up and Tony Busby is kind of rushing these cases, he's going from, Hey, nice to meet you. Welcome to my firm to here's a complaint. The next day I already wrote it for you. Maybe there's, it's a fair allegation. He's not properly vetting these complaints. So yeah, if the, if the sole person vetting them is Tony Busby, 
I don't know how confident we are. And then that leads us to kind of the next conversation. If, if, big if, yeah. when a criminal a criminal case is filed, that, that will tell you a lot about, about the confidence in these charges. Um, did you, I, I know I saw that he wasn't taking it to the Houston police. Did you find that odd? Well, it, it's odd because he said he was going to take it to the Houston police. And then uh, we didn't hear anything for a couple of days. And then he goes, just kidding, I'm not, because I ran for mayor. This is also not normal for the lead attorney in this big of a case to have run for mayor. None of this stuff is that normal. But he goes, I ran for mayor and I told the chief police in Houston to step down as part of my platform. So the Houston police, I'm paraphrasing, but the Houston police department probably doesn't love me. So I know I said I was going to file with them, but just kidding, I'm not. And also the reason I'm not is because Rusty Hardin's son works for HPD and I don't really trust the Houston police department. So none of this is really that normal. It's a lot of red flags, just, just oddities on this case. So that's, that's why I think it's captured the public's attention. So let's play hypotheticals. If, all of this is true. Um, not to be talking about NFL ramifications. What kind of legal legal ramifications could there be for Deshaun Watson? If, if, it's, if it's all true, if it's all true. I mean, it's, it's sexual assault charges. I mean, they're, they're very serious charges. Um, and just you can use your imagination if there are 20 of them. And I'm telling you that one charge of sexual assault is could be punishable by up to a year in jail. Uh, 20 of them, right? You multiply it out. So extremely serious. Uh, a case with, uh, and I mean, want to just figure on the NFL level of seriousness, Antonio Brown, who threw rocks at a delivery truck driver in, in Florida. It was a, he technically could have been charged with a felony for what he did. He, just, he they potentially attacked a delivery truck driver, went after him, claimed he was stealing his stuff, and he wasn't. Uh, on an NFL level of severity, the NFL had judged, uh, you know, whether it was just that or if it was the, you know, everything happening together. But a judge that to be worthy of an eight-game suspension, which is a lot. And NFL players aren't usually suspended for eight games. So uh, if Watson is hit with multiple criminal charges, this is going to be a very lengthy suspension. Could it be eight games? Sure. Could it be more? Sure. Could it be the entire season? Sure. But it's not It's, it's not a case the NFL's ever seen. So, you know, we're going to be rewriting precedent. The only thing I'll, I'll caution, the, the DA taking the case, so just so people are aware, criminal court is beyond beyond a reasonable doubt. That's a fancy way of saying we think we can get guilt. I'm gonna. It's a high number: 85% guilty, 90% guilty. It's it's a very a lot of confidence in the case. If the DA does not take the case, that means that they don't feel that they can get a conviction. That's that's generally what it means. Or there's some other issue that I'm not aware of. Um, but if they take the case, the NFL suspension is very likely. If they don't take it, I'd say all bets are kind of off. I mean, we don't know one way or the other. And just to tie a, put a pin in it, Antonio Brown. Uh, they tried to get him on criminal charges, and uh, DA's office didn't take the case. What type of what type of timeline are you expecting with this? Assuming they do take, let's say they do take the case, what type of time, do you think it should be like years, a couple of years, or do you think it'd be soon? How do you, is that a whole another ball game? Or criminal cases go quicker than civil cases, just just generally. But um, I mean, for point of reference, the civil case with Antonio Brown is still active; it is still alive in Florida. People might have think like, oh. You know, Antonio Brown pled guilty and obviously he served his time, but like he hasn't pled guilty. He's still fighting it. And the DA's office didn't take the case. So that's kind of this this troubling part about how long this case goes. You know, people people pay attention to the headlines and then they, they lose track of it. And uh, there's a there's going to be a significant portion of the public. I don't know how much it is that just assumes that Watson's guilty. They've moved on to the next story, right? They're talking about free Britney. They're talking about Alston versus NCA. They're talking about 100 other things other than this case. And then they're, they're gone. And Watson's convicted in the court of public opinion. So that's why it's important. Like, 
Civil cases can take a while, years. Some, I've had cases that lasted three, four, five years. You know, I, I don't think it's going to take that long, just given Watson's notoriety, but there's 20 cases. Right? It's like almost like a class action lawsuit. Like those aren't, those aren't quick cases because there's depositions, there's discovery from 20 different people. It might go a little bit quicker because it's just one firm at this point. But yeah, this is not, this is not a quick exit strategy, short of some type of global settlement. But Watson at this point would be, you know, would be pretty hard pressed to take a settlement. You, you think it's beyond, is it, we've moved past the time for a settlement before this is, this is wait, or do you think it's still like this could all disappear? It's not going to disappear if you take settlement. He's still going to get suspended. Yeah. Um, he, and if you settle the cases with the victims, it doesn't mean a criminal case goes away. Um, you could pay some amount of money. The DA's office doesn't care about money. They care about justice. So, um, I think the ship has sailed on a settlement. I mean, if he can pull it off, if he wants to pony up millions of the, the issue that I would have if I was Watson, like uh, apparently if you believe Watson, uh, Busby approached him for a five or six figure settlement prior to uh, the first case being filed. So he decided to decline that. Um, and then, you know, another 20 cases were filed after that. So like, should Watson have paid the 500,000, you know, cost benefit analysis, who knows, but like, 20 other women would have come forward. So, you know, maybe it was smart that he didn't pay because these other women would have still still happened. So, yeah, I, I don't, I, I think the ship has kind of sailed on settlement. He's put his foot in his ground, the foot in the ground, and he said, like, I'm not guilty. I didn't do it. So, yeah, I don't, he's kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. What did you think of the news yesterday when it came out, when he had all these other massage therapists thinking, okay, I don't know anybody in the world that has 40 massage therapist numbers on their phones. 18 of them come out in support of him. Does you think that hurts or helps him that he knows even more massage therapists? Um, how do I phrase it? I mean, it's, it's, still, it's still, it's still odd. Um, I, can't, I can't explain why that would be the case that someone had 40 massage therapists, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, it probably helps his case that there are people that are lining up to support him, but it's just, it's odd. I don't, I don't really know how to phrase that and to say that it's not, a, not, it's not, a, not a normal thing that anyone's heard of to have that many. And then if there's no video or no physical evidence, this is all considered hearsay, right? Um, yes and no. I mean, there, there, is, there is some comments from Watson. There are some comments from the accused. So that's not necessarily hearsay. Those are parties to the case. So, um, I mean, it depends what comes out. But if you have uh, you know, text messages, DMs, those could be used as evidence, um, you know, as long as they're somewhat legit. So... Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't think we know the full bag of evidence. I mean, that's what we have for discovery. We have depositions. Um, a lot of it's going to be he said, she said, and it's only uh, Zach to, to at least, to, you know, it's it's only hearsay until someone says it under oath. And once the victims say it under oath, it's no longer hearsay. So yeah, these out of court statements, uh, yeah, there's a version of them when they're hearsay, but they can. I mean, the victims are here. It's not a case where someone's unavailable for whatever reason. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be worried. I don't, I don't think hearsay is going to be any type of issue. And if, if this is the end of the lawsuits, what's the next step? Um, this is the end of the civil lawsuits? Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's what I mean. If, if this is the end of the allegations, the, the, the number, that's it. And there's nobody else comes forward. What's the next step? What happens now? So as, as a gambling man, Zach, I would say that the odds of, uh, of that happening, more lawsuits, is probably like minus 600, you know, in, in that vicinity. Um, there's going to be more civil lawsuits. I, I don't, you know, if this is the end, I think, you know, whenever they stop, let's say they stop at 25, they stop at 26, whatever. I'm, I, at this point, I, I'm not shocked that number gets even higher, honestly. Um, but the civil cases would progress. And if and when a, a criminal case is brought, um, that's when uh, the, the criminal case would take over, it would supersede the civil case. So 
if a criminal case happens, if and when that happens, I think an NFL suspension is imminent, uh, absolutely imminent. But I think the NFL is playing wait and see because they don't want to get caught with, with egg on their face. I know, um, Zach, I don't know if you know this. I used to work for the New York Giants back in the day, and there was a big DeAndre Baker lawsuit uh, that occurred uh, fairly recently. And, I, you know, I wasn't – having Dunbar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Quentin, you know, Quentin Dunbar, DeAndre Baker. The Giants cut him. He was placed in the commission example list, and then the criminal charges were dropped. So – Giants looked pretty bad. The NFL looked pretty bad because the guy was innocent. He didn't. He wasn't convicted of anything. So I don't think the NFL, with with someone like Watson, wants to have egg on their face. So I think they're waiting to do anything until the, the DA kind of steps in. And if the DA says no criminal charges, we're not we're not filing criminal charges. It's going to be a, a really really tough decision for the NFL. Uh, so you're not surprised he hasn't been placed in the commissioner's the commissioner's exemplist. If if I'm Roger Goodell, I'm waiting as long as possible to do it because these are civil cases and it's a, it's a poor precedent. Like I'm, uh, I'll give you a crazy example. And Jack, I imagine you're like a fantasy football fan. Of course. I, I had a feeling when I saw the sweatshirt, um, but it, it, there's like, let's say anybody can sue anyone for anything. Truthfully, anyone can sue anyone. There is no bar to the courthouse steps. It's the good and bad part about our justice system. If you allowed someone to get suspended um, just from civil allegations, like, you know, 10 people could line up and they say, hey, I'm suing, I'm, make, I'm gonna make up a guy, Roger Smith. We're gonna sue Roger Smith for sexual assault. And you know, maybe Roger Smith uh, you know, wins the case and he sues him for defamation afterwards. But like, should Roger Smith be allowed to be you know, suspended because 10 people without any vetting from the DA's office, without a judge putting a stamp of approval on it? I think it's a really slippery slope. So that's why I'm, I'm kind of in support of, you know, uh, I don't know if they're gonna rewrite the NFL you know, code of conduct, but criminal cases tell you, hey, you know, it's a loose, loose guy, but like the DA's office, an independent third body, a third party thinks that like, hey, we can, there's a really good chance of a conviction, which is like a 85, 90% chance. That's a pretty good bar. You know, the NFL's bar is just, hey, if a guy's in a little bit of trouble, we want to protect the shield, we're going to suspend him. I don't know if I love that such a low bar. I think it's a little, um, I think it's a little strange, but I get, I get it's the NFL's a business, but I don't really think it's, it's fair to, you know, the innocent until proven guilty standard. That's, that's the whole country. Do you think maybe, I'm trying to think of the way to phrase this, have you seen any lawsuits in the past where maybe one or two of the initial lawsuits were valid and then a bunch of people just piled, just piled on and they just kind of came in and maybe... It's always going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it's always going to happen with like class action lawsuits, stuff like that. You know, some cases are going to be better than other ones. That's why in a class action lawsuit, you're going to have a lead plaintiff and then you're going to have trail plaintiffs. The lead plaintiff you want to be the one that best represents the cause. So... Yeah, I, you know, the way Busby set up the case, he's got to be a little worried because he's filing these so quickly one after the other. We're calling them like, right, the 20 lawsuits. It's not, hey, this one is nuanced. He's not letting them breathe, so to speak, to have give you an easier way to put it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's happened before. You hope it's not happening here, but, you know, it's, it wouldn't be the first time. Are, are you surprised they're so scattered? Or do you think it would have, it, it would have been the the busby the weight i guess it's more commonly done is as soon as he gets all of them in order then he just then then it goes public it's the way they're just coming in and in and out they're just coming they're adding on is the timing with that with the trade and then all of a sudden you see the number rising and rising do you think this is more it wasn't as calculated or do you think just more people eat it now i don't know i i can't put my finger on why you know i i I can just tell you that the, the timing of all of them coming together now, is, it seems to me from someone on the outside that that's what someone would do if they were trying to force someone uh, to 
settle the, the civil case, right? You can see Busby's going on and he's saying, hey, it's not about the money. It's about, uh, you know, um, making an example. But like you would make an example out of someone by going to the DA's office and going to the police department. That's how you make an example out of someone. Civil case, I'm hopefully people, I mean, I'm, and I'm, I'm, happy, I'm happy to explain, but civil cases are about money. That's how to make someone whole financially. Criminal cases are about punishing someone, putting someone in jail, right? Putting someone on probation. Um, the only remedies you can get in civil court are, are financial, you know, or maybe like you can get back if someone stole something, you can get it back from them. But like, I don't know, that's, that's, that's about money. So if you file 20 civil cases before speaking to the police department, because he hasn't spoke to Houston PD yet, like, you know, actions speak louder than words. You can say it's not about money, but you filed 20 civil cases. So at a certain point, it's got to be a little bit about money or else don't, don't file any cases, right? Just have a news, have a press conference. Uh, well, that's that's really all the legal questions. A real weird situation. Hopefully, it gets all it, everything gets settled out, and they can figure everything out and get the truth and do what they have to do. But I do appreciate you taking the time to jump on for a few minutes and talk. Um, how can people find you on social media? I saw you have a podcast, and also find your firm. Yes, so uh, my firm, Garagos and Garagos. Uh, people probably have heard the name. We represented Colin Kaepernick once upon a time, going after the NFL. Uh, my office in New York City. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, at sports law lust on Instagram and Twitter and my podcast conduct detrimental. If you're into the sports law side, we had the commissioner of the Mac conference, uh, on, and he was talking all things, college basketball, name, image, and likeness, the disparity between the men's and women's bubbles, title nine, uh, heavy case, but we also went over, uh, NCA versus Austin, the big, uh, Supreme court case. So yeah, all things sports and law and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, we'll say it's a very busy time between yeah. Watson yeah. and uh, the Supreme Court taking on sports law. What do you think about that? Do you think, do you think the likeness, image and likeness is coming sooner or do you think there's going to be going on and on? I think there's going to be a lot more court battles before uh, any of it sees the light of day. But yeah, I, I, you gave me a bold prediction. I'm going to say by the end of 2021, not, not summer, which is many have predicted, but I, I think it's probably, probably closer toward the fall. Awesome. Awesome. Well, do appreciate you taking time. Wish it was under better circumstances, but this has been really, really interesting. I want to thank you. Yes, my pleasure, Zach.